and welcome to another episode of 360 Degrees, part of the Urban Breakdown Network. You know, I wanted to do my laundry today, and it's not terribly hot yet, but it was so, the humidity was so oppressive. I called Jesse Jackson, and Jesse Jackson was like, man, you on your own. I can't help you with that. What am I, a weatherman? <laughs> no, okay, but seriously. Oh. <laughs> and I got to go back out, too, because I got to go get my meds you know, old man stuff. <laughs> but at least it's going to be, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. It was all foggy, but now the sun's out. So good day for grilling, if you plan on grilling today. So, Odie, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, yeah. I'm uh, going to head down to Greenville, so definitely need that good weather to happen so we can drive safely. Small chance of rain, but hopefully the weather, uh, the sun will stay out while you make your trip. So. Yeah. Odie, what you got for us today? Uh, so there has been a, a shakeup at the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, usually, you know, like I like I, I like I like my Wendy Williams. Not gonna lie. Um, she always does. She she usually does say something that makes me cringe, but not like offends me to the point where I'll stop supporting her. Like, with the exception of like the, the HBCU comment, I definitely put her on hiatus then. Um, but with shows like Wendy Williams, like the, the guests are, the guests come on when they're promoting something like Lamar Odom was promoting that, that ridiculous fight with Aaron Carter. Aaron Carter also came on the show. Um, you know, like people come on the show when they have something to promote, but interestingly enough, Cynthia Bailey of the Real Housewives of Atlanta came on the show this week. And matter of fact, when I saw her coming up, I was like, oh, like she probably, um, Oh, and side note too, the brat was also up there, and that was the best interview I've I've seen all season on Wendy Williams. Um, I was really surprised because I was like, oh, she's like she was promoting her, she's uh, doing a reality show on WeTV uh, called like Brat Loves Judy or something like that. Who's like her her partner, and um, she's promoting that and promoting her episode on the shot. She's on the shot this weekend. Um, as a new character. So she was promoting both of those things. I was like, oh, okay, like, cool. That's right. I forgot she was on the shot. But that interview was really, really funny. Um, it was weird. Like, Wendy was kind of flirting with her. It was very fucking weird to watch, but they were having a good time. I thought it was cute. So I digress. I say all that to say, like, bro, like, if you're not promoting anything, you're probably not going to come on the show. Well, Cynthia Bailey managed to get on the show this week. Um, and we're in between seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, their uh, reunion was just, like, I don't know, like, two months ago, maybe. Um, and I'm waiting for Potomac to come back. That's my other favorite Housewives franchise. Uh, of course, because the cast features Black women. Um, so, I'm like, well, why is Cynthia here? I actually thought it was, like, a repeat. I was like, oh, it's probably not even a new episode. But, no, it was it was a live episode. Um, and basically the sense that I got from it was that Cynthia was trying to plead for her spot to Andy Cohen, who's the producer and creator of the, of this Housewives franchise. Um, it was like, it felt like she was kind of pleading her case for her spot. Um, because apparently rumors are circulating that she might be out of the cast and, I think it's been on like 13 seasons. She's been on like 11 of the 13 seasons. 
and she she mentioned you know she's been holding her peach for a long time and um what was even crazier is that she brought up Nini as wanting her to be fired from the show. Nini has not been on Real Housewives of Atlanta for like maybe two seasons now. Um, but she was one of those people that like was very influential um, in the show's success. Um, but I just refuse to believe that she would have that much influence now that she's not, not a part of the show. Um, Cynthia seemed to imply that like Nini wants her fired from the show, but I'm just like, but she's not on the show anymore. So how could she have that much influence? You know, right? That's that's not your boss. That that, that to me didn't make sense. Sounded a little paranoid, but whatever. Um, doesn't mean it's not true. Um, then I think she's, and then Wendy also asked her like, well, who would you not want to return? Like, if you stay on, who would you not want to return? And she also mentioned Nini. Um. Which I, I mean, I agree. Nini is absolutely a mean girl, uh, but I don't know. I just thought it was like a weird flex to bring up somebody who's not even on the show anymore as like being your blocker. I don't know. Ultimately, I think um, I think Cynthia probably won't be on the show anymore just because she's got married. Um, her storyline kind of dwindled off. So it was like after the whole, the reason that she had her bachelorette party, it was kind of like the whole scandal with that. I don't think it's going to really top that because she's like a boring married lady now. You know, like her, she's in a functional, healthy relationship. So there's not too much drama to be had there. So that's definitely, um, no. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I, I legit think she might get kicked off the show. Um, but she basically was saying, like, yeah, I, I'd much rather leave on my own terms. Like, if I had the decision, I'd much rather choose to leave um, versus being fired. And, and she was basically saying, yeah, it sounds like I'm about to be fired. So I was like, okay, it's kind of like a weird thing, like, to show up on the Wendy Williams show and then just talk about Housewives of Atlanta. That's not on right now. So you're not promoting the show. It's weird. Like, it's like a plea to save your job. Yeah. Okay. I, I will say one thing about Real Housewives, just going over the cast, at least there's a place where, like, if you're an actress or a personality and you're, like, 52, at least there, there's a place for you someplace. Because Hollywood is not really kind to women over 50, unless you're, unless you're like, mm. ridiculously talented, like, like a Rita Moreno or uh, um, Cicely Tyson or somebody like that. You know, if you're not like that, like when you hit 40, they're just like, mm, for some reason, I don't know. But uh, I mean, this show has been going on and I'm looking at the, the cast list, right? And it, I don't know how long these women have been on each season. I didn't get into that for that long, but I figure mm-hmm. for a reality show, you know, I always figured like a reality show was more of like a springboard to other things. Like you get on and that's how you get your face. Yeah. Like that's actually like a really good point. That's kind of, yeah. Like I've seen Cynthia do a couple of things. Like she did something with some sunglasses like one season, but I don't know like how that's fair. Now who I've seen consistently perform well in this area is Candy Burris. 
this woman is on the shy as well. As her her role is recurring. Granted, she's not a great actress, but it's cool. Like she's she's turned this into a thing. You see her on the shy regularly. Um, she has all these restaurants that she's managed to open in the past several years, including one open during a pandemic. One of them is doing really well that opened like several years ago. I've always heard that the food is terrible, but people go there because <laughs> because it's candy, it's a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like people like candy. So people fucking go. And it's like um, you know, and Atlanta is kinda of, is you know, it's a touristy town. Like like it's weird because like you know people live there, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not like Disney World, like where it's exclusively tourists. Like you know people live here. Um and people like to move here all you know, move to Atlanta all the time. Um, but people go as a tourist, they wanna be, you know, take pictures and tag their location as being at old lady gang. So they go have a bite to eat and whatever. Um Yeah, but she's she's finessed uh she's open like sex uh a sex toy line. Um, had like one of those like burlesque type shows, but for like male dancers and stuff, um, where women pay their good money to see male strippers, and she probably does sell them sex toys afterwards. Like she probably has a table set up and shit. Like she has really, really mogulized herself. Like she is absolutely mogul status. Um, so I I love to see it. Well, she she basically proved that. To be successful, you can't be a one-trick pony. You gotta. You yeah, gotta, she's definitely diversified. Like I see a lot of rappers become producers. You know, they they learn how to work the boards and then they start producing and then maybe go on to other things. You know, maybe start a label, maybe get into uh, to acting and stuff like that. And that's how you keep your longevity. Look at look look at Queen Latifah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And that's really the way to go. And I think other people will see people like Candy and then just realize, hey, if I'm just on this show, you know, this show's not going to last forever. No show lasts forever. You know, there are some mm-hmm. huge longevity, but it's more likely like Saturday Night Live, which has been on for like almost 50 seasons or like a new show like 2020. So you're not going to get like the Jeffersons and have that last for like 50 years, you know? Right. Even so, so it's like, even like you're still at the mercy of someone else. Even if you created this show yourself, even if you put it on your own platform that you built yourself and P and you can continue like making episodes as long as it pays for itself. Uh-huh. Like you're still at the mercy of other people because if nobody watches it, you're fucked. Right. You know? So that's why it makes sense to spin out into these different arenas, you know? Um, and so I'm really like, I'm really proud of Candy for doing that. Like she has made the most of it. And it's like I feel like Cynthia may fuck around and like do like some sort of like mad attention grab, like a last minute, like a ditch effort to stay on the show. Um, I hope she doesn't do that because it'll just seem really desperate. Like go out on top, lady. Like you're Cynthia Bailey, supermodel. Yeah. You know, so you figure somebody like, uh, and I know I'm, I'm going off in the weeds here, but you have somebody like a uh, Corday rapper, right? And the only reason why it came on my radar a bit is because he was on a, a, a remix of a song called Killer with Eminem and then Jack Harlow, right? And I listened to some of his stuff and I'm like, you know what? This kid can actually rap, 
you know, he's actually got some talent, you know, I may not be into all that. I, I don't think I'd consider him to be a mumble rapper. I just could be more one of the little new jacks, you know, whose music doesn't really connect with me, but, you know, listen to him on the Eminem track. I'm like, all right, this kid can actually rap. He's got some bars here. You know, everybody isn't naturally talented, you know? So I think reality TV kind of provides them a way to get their foot in the door. Cause back in the days, like Candy had an advantage because she was already talented. She's a songwriter and she's a singer. Mm-hmm. So she yeah. had an advantage coming in. A lot of these reality actresses were never talented, but they come in and then they learn the business. It's kind of like an entry-level job. Like in, in the 70s and 80s, the only way, if you weren't talented, your only avenue was like, what, the gong show? You know, or to make an ass of yourself on the, on the local news. <laughs> but you already had to be talented to be on television. You know, now mm-hmm. you could just make a, a dumbass YouTube video or a TikTok video and people will know your face. You know, That's and true. you're on a, a widely televised show like Real Housewives of Atlanta or Hollywood or Boise, Idaho or whatever, then that's a good way to get in. But the problem is in this society, you have what they call, uh, what I would call anyway, I mean, I didn't make it up, but that's what I hear, the clout chasers. So instead of building on their talents, whether they have a little or a lot to just improve on their talents, they figured the only way they could get to keep that fame is to keep making extra drama. And that has a, that has a shelf life. Then that shelf life is when that drama runs out. So you got to keep making mm-hmm. more and more drama. So now what did, what did Wendy Williams say about, um, hold on, I had her name up here. Because I'm old, I got to look these people up on Google <laughs> about, <laughs> Cynthia, about Cynthia Bailey. What did Wendy Williams say about her? Um, um, they talked and they had like a, you know, a decent conversation and stuff. Like it's basically she gave her the opportunity at the very end of the interview. She kind of asked her like, so kind of like, what do you want to say? Cause they're wrapping us up. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's pretty much what Cynthia did. You saw her like kind of plead her case. Like, you know, like this is why I deserve to be on housewives. And I was just like, that, that didn't sit well with me. I'm having like a really good interview with, with Brad. I was just like, mm, I didn't like this one. <laughs> that that was the reason why, but it was just an opportunity. Like I think uh, Wendy and Cynthia are friendly enough that that's why Cynthia was able to come on the show without having to promote anything. Cause remember I said like everything is usually tied to a promotion or a project or, you know, some sort of venture and that's just not what was happening. So um, I think, Cynthia still wants to be on the show, um, and there's talk of of firing her. Now, as far as people that pro- they like, honestly, I would not pick Cynthia as you know wanting to is as being like number one for being chopped. Um, I would probably pick. Hmm. <laughs> Because, like, I'm just thinking about, like, who's up there now. We definitely can't get rid of Portia because she has all that drama. Like, this season, her, even though she was, uh, like, her her storyline centered around, like, protesting and getting arrested at the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, her legacy kind of being brought full circle. That was 
that was still pretty like low key, not dramatic. You know, it wasn't bringing me what I'm used to seeing on Housewives. Um, but I do think that with her and this guy uh, that she's supposed to be marrying and stuff like that, like that's going to be too much drama to cut her out of. So if it if she didn't have anything else coming down the pipe, I would have been like, yep, let's get rid of her. Um, because Black Lives Matter wasn't protested wasn't enough. But uh, but we definitely got to keep Portia. We definitely, uh, honestly, we could get rid of Candy. I feel like she's outgrown the show. I feel like she's outgrown the show. She's done what she needed to do. Um, she has her other things that she's working on. I don't feel like she needs to be on the show. But it's not because I don't like her. It's just because she doesn't really need it. Uh, they. I feel like they're benefiting more when the weight, I feel like when the balance is shifted and they benefit more than you benefit from them, then that's when you should leave. And I think like housewives is kind of at that point now. So definitely uh, I I feel like she should be at least part of the chopping block. Um, Trying to think of who the hell else is up there. Uh, Obviously Cynthia. Kenya is up there. I think we can get rid of Kenya. Out of all the people, yes, we should definitely get rid of Kenya because Kenya Moore, like, she's going through a divorce, so that's like her storyline. But like, we've we've kind of exhausted that for at least the past two seasons. So, like, either she's going to get divorced or not. I don't, I don't get it. I think, I think they should get rid of Kenya Moore. Uh, and she's got other stuff going on, so it's not like she needs the show. No, she doesn't. So I'm going to go. And then <laughs> I know they won't do this as long as Candy's up here. But honestly, I really wouldn't mind seeing Phaedra Parks back. Uh, Drew Sedora, they should also get rid of her. Drew Sedora, she's my number one pick. I take that back. I forgot that she, I forgot that she was even up there. Get rid of Drew Sedora. Her, her storyline is super boring. The only thing that was like kind of crazy with her was like... Um, her husband like disappeared for like a couple of days and like went to the beach or something was not reachable. They have children together. He didn't tell her who he was with. He said he was by himself, but she didn't know where he was for like several days. So, and we still don't really have a conclusion to that storyline. So mm. you're rid of your Sedora. She was boring. I forgot that she was even up there. So yeah, Drew is my number one pick. Now, for for these women in, in the show, because I've never seen a single episode, mm-hmm. do they like live in the same house, or do they just follow their storylines? No, no they 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 everybody follows their own storylines at their respective homes and respective oh. families, and then they do things like where they get together in one place. So they might go out to eat or go on a vacation, or um, you know, they have events like surrounding their respective businesses so somebody might have a launch party and be like yeah i invited so and so and so and so you know and then they come together and talk shit at these events that's basically what happens so they're like Um, friends for the for the purpose yeah yeah exactly um and that's how a lot of them get onto the show they're considered friends um that's why i was so here portia portia brought a character on the show um 
and they introduced her. They introduced her, put the caption up there as Portia's friend, and now she's marrying that woman's husband. It's so fucking weird because they're not divorced yet. Her name is the woman's name is Fallon, and Fallon and her husband are not legally divorced yet, but Portia's engaged to him already. She said that they're not really friends; they're just like acquaintances, associates, whatever. So yeah, we gotta have Portia because I need to know what happens with that. Everybody else is like, mm, Cynthia. I love, y'all know I love my Ratchet TV, so I'll be watching next season. I'm looking forward to Potomac. Potomac is my favorite, um, even more than Atlanta, just because they're like really rich, like they're old money rich, mm-hmm. not Atlanta rich. Like Atlanta rich, you could be like a millionaire and still buy like a really nice house, you know. But in Potomac. A billionaire, you're like you're poor. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I like Potomac for that reason and the fact that it's black women. Granted, they're all like very fair skinned black women, which brings me to my kind of segue into um talking about in the heights a little bit, I guess. Or actually actually not even in the heights. Skin bleaching with Safari and colorism in general. I know you, you want to talk about that a little bit more, um, Merce, and we'll get to that. Um, but do you know do you know who Safari Samuels is? Remind me. Okay, so Safari Samuels is also a reality TV legend, uh, but he was on Love and Hip Hop, New York and Hollywood. He might have been on a couple of appearances of Atlanta, but he's basically in the VH1 family. Like he's definitely been on several Mona Scott Young shows. Um, they have like a couple therapy. I only watched a couple of episodes. I never finished watching it. Um, but I remember they had like a couple retreat type of show and Ray J and Princess Love were up there. Um, I'll take that back. I don't think Safari was on that show. But in any case, uh, he is married to a woman named Erica Mena. Erica Mena is known for being on Love and Hip Hop New York. Um, I don't really, she's like one of those people that's just listed as public figure. I don't even know that she's made any music or acted or anything. Um, she has infamously dated Bow Wow in the past. Mm. Uh, she, she dated him. She got pregnant by him and lost the baby, and he was kind of an asshole when he responded to. I can't remember exactly what he said, but I do remember. I was like, damn, that's fucked up. Uh, so Bow Wow just definitely seems like an asshole. Um, but she's also known for like going off on people. Like she likes to fight. Um, and she seems very toxic herself. Uh, she dated somebody else too. I think, um, I don't know, somebody from the love and hip hop universe. I digress. Um, but she, Safari does seem like a pretty chill guy. So I'll give him that. Um, I never felt like he really should be with Erica, but um, almost two kids later, because she's pregnant now, uh, they're going through a very contentious divorce. He's actually filed an injunction to um, to like try. I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He filed an injunction to order the judge have the judge order her to let him in the delivery room 
when the baby when the baby comes. And my whole thing was like, yeah, like we talked about that, and I was like, bruh, if you're not gonna be bringing her, you know, if you're not gonna be making her calm, then get the fuck out. Like, don't stress the pregnant lady out. Every that's rule number one. Everybody knows that. Um, but recently he uh set social media ablaze by making a comment about. He made a comment about he's about to start the skin bleaching process. Um, and now he does have Jamaican roots. I wanted to make sure I got the right Caribbean island. But yeah, he does have Jamaican roots. But um, I don't understand why he's trying to bleach his skin. I don't know if he's like trolling people. Um, but that just doesn't sound like no shit to play with. You know, like I've seen... I have a couple of members of my family that do that shit, and it looks a mess. It looks a mess. Like, do you have you do you know any people that have bleached? Because I know your your people got Caribbean roots too, right? Yeah, yeah, and they. I mean, that's always been kind of the issue. They used to even write reggae songs about it back in the eighties <laughs> about uh, being against people who are bleaching their skin. You know. To, to, to try to pass or to try to fit in and it's just kind of ugh. you know I mean you are who you are you know I mean unfortunately for me I mean I'm I'm darker skinned but I also have a mild uh, vitiligo not like Michael Jackson level of vitiligo <laughs> but, okay. but you could see like you, you could see it mostly on the top of my head like because I'm I'm bald and then you could just see like the lighter Splotchy, and you start, and as I get older, you start to see a little bit more on my face. Like there's lighter patches on my face, you know, and that's just from you know just naturally. And no one else in my family has it, which is kind of strange. <laughs> mm. So, you know, it's always kind of weird. I, I, I'll get to go home and hang out with my brothers next week, and then they'll just be like, "Who's they'll be like, who's that guy, the blotchy guy?" <laughs> but the whole, but I mean, I would never do it on, never do it on purpose. You know, because you are who you are. I mean, and then to kind of promote that whole thing, it's it's a body image or just a just a whole image issue that people have, which is not healthy. You know, because you should. I mean, it's hard for me to tell other people how they should feel about themselves. That never ends well. But what I but what I push for is for people to have at least have a a healthy image of themselves for the sake of their own mental health. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the most I could hope for. I can't tell, you know, I could tell a woman who's, let's just say she's overweight by virtue of the little card that they give you that says that for your height, you should be this weight. You know, I could tell her that, you know, she looks gorgeous just the way she is. She's not going to believe me because she has what she sees in the mirror you know it what how she feels about it that's the most important thing and it's not something that's easy to deal with on either side with the person dealing with it or the person who's trying to you know help this person out and when you have like skin lightening products or or going to the whole thing about like to lighten your skin like i forgot what they i'm gonna gonna look it up real quick i think they used to sell it a lot on like Jet Magazine. What was it called? Ambi. It was spelled with two eyes. 
and it was like i and and i used to see it being sold in like black uh you know like blacks like uh, african-american stores and they said and they used to advertise it on the radio and i and i want to say it was like mm-hmm. an over-the-counter uh skin lightening thing you know don't quote me on i don't it. know no i don't know that one but it's just it's crazy like here it is ambi uh skin care they call it skin lightning yeah so that's, it, that's the thing they make, they make it sound like oh like oh you just want to like even your dark spots and bring it to match your tone yes. but yes I'm like that's not what that is yeah they call it even. not when you apply it all over yeah and a bottle of that crap costs like 15 dollars. it's like a daily facial whatever and it's like 14.99 how many ounces of that stupid bottle i don't even know it's not it's basically i mean i could buy like a few bottles of lubriderm for that amount <laughs> of just regular of the of the quote-unquote expensive lotion you know but they say it's it's a uh, trusted name in skincare with elixir products proven to cleanse and moisturize skin of color leaving it smooth and even toned that's that's the giveaway right there even toned so that whole thing and 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 here's the thing i mean a lot of people that they show in these ads are uh they're all different shades you know of african-american so it doesn't look like they're trying to to say hey like hey here darky we're gonna make you a little bit lighter so you can get that job like they're not saying they're not out there saying it like that but it's kind of you know i mean if you have acne and you have products to help you deal with your acne, that's one thing. You know, if you have scars, that's right. all together. You know, I can, I can understand yeah, this, get rid of that. This shit is absolutely rooted in colorism. Like, yeah. you know, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about more of that a little bit later, but this shit is absolutely rooted in colorism. Um, I'm not standing for none of it. I hope he was trolling. I don't know why he would do that. Um, there was an artist, too, on the Love & Hip Hop show her name was Spice. She actually just came out with an album. Um, I think it was like an album. I don't know if she was like featured on the album or if she was like, if it's all three of them together, but it was like Sean Paul and some other, uh, I think, was it Sean Paul or was it the other light skin? <laughs> was that other light skin Jamaican artist named Shaggy? It was either Sean Paul or Shaggy. I can't remember. But I feel like Spice was on that album too. And they were promoting it on the Breakfast Club the other day. But a a year or two ago, she had a song where that's what it was. Like, basically, she had the shock value of coming out with, like, bleached skin. And people were just, like, talking so much shit about her bleaching her skin. Um, but it was a publicity stunt. So I don't I don't know if he was doing the same type of thing. Right. Which is crazy. I hope he wouldn't, especially considering, like, bro, like, we just saw Spice also from Love and Hip Hop do the same thing. So please don't do that too. But I don't know. I guess only time will tell. And then with Sean Paul, it, it, it's a little bit different for him because I had to look him up real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's already like <laughs> he, well, well, he was born in Jamaica, 
but um oh, okay they don't really say too much about his oh yeah um his father is half portuguese so that's mm, why so that's why he's so white yeah so that's why he's so light so his mother is is you know uh jamaican and his father was like jamaican slash portuguese so that's where that comes from for for him Mm, so he can't help it (laughs) you know but other people yeah no like he's not bleaching his skin no not at all um yeah i only brought him up because i i can't remember which one of them is just did an album with spice i just can't remember which one of them it was but yeah no i don't i don't don't think he was promoting that either um I might have missed oh, at one point, but I had um I have a friend of mine I went to high school with her. I had a little crush on her at one point too. But she um she's light skinned. And she said that somebody thought that they were paying her a compliment by calling her uh, exotic. Mm. She was like like a zoo animal. <laughs> like and 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 I'm glad she told me that because I've never told a, a light-skinned woman that she was exotic. But I think that would have been something that I might have said had I not known that people find that to be offensive. Because was once you put a little bit of thought into it, it's like, yeah, it's not something that you say to people to call them mm-hmm. to call them exotic. Like that's just, you know, ugh, you know, once you put two seconds of thought into it. And he thought he was being, he thought he was being complimentary, and she was just like, "That's not complimentary," you know. So people have to deal with these things all the time, especially if you are, especially if you're mixed race. Like my mm-hmm. my niece is African American. Her, uh, you know, her husband is white, so they have two kids together. And then my niece has a kid with her. Uh, you know, before she got married, she has another kid. His name is uh, River. You know. He's, he's the cutest little guy. And um, the poor boy is, he just can't stand on, he's just so clumsy, he can't stand on his own two feet. And they had, uh, she posted a video, he was trying to ride one of those uh, those hoverboards and he fell on the hoverboard. And then his dad and his little sister, you know, she's, she's still a toddler. They were in a hammock and then when he fell, he pulled a hammock and then the hammock fell down. And everybody fell down, and I was like, "Oh, poor River." So hopefully, hopefully, I get to, I get to meet him, you know, in person for the first time in uh, when I go home next week, you know. But I worry about them because you know they are, you know, they're 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 light skinned, and they live in Georgia, and if they lived in New York or New Jersey or other places, it wouldn't even cross my mind. But Places like Georgia are not exactly what even, I mean, we're just talking about like outside of like Atlanta. You know, they don't live in Atlanta. Atlanta. And people are not exactly what you would call tolerant. You remember that commercial for uh, Rice Krispies? And it was, it was, it was a cute commercial because no Cheerios. That's what it was. Cheerios. Oh, Cheerios. Okay. But they had a, an interracial couple with a biracial child. So the father was black. Oh, and yeah. The mother was white. And then she was telling the little girl about the, that the Cheerios are good for your heart. And then the dad's taking a nap on the couch and the little girl just pours a bunch of Cheerios on his chest. And he just wakes up covered in Cheerios. You know, it's a cute commercial. Mm-hmm. 
people you know their minds went insane about the fact that it was a biracial couple and then an, and a biracial child, you know? So I, I, I worry about that. And, and I think I, I see, you know, how people feel the pressure to fit in. And maybe they feel that being dark-skinned. I've worked on jobs, not my current job. My current job is fantastic. And even, even my last job was very inclusive. Like there was a woman, she was, um, she was a, a Muslim and she, she, wore the, she wore the robes and everything, you know? Mm -hmm. uh the not 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 like the burqa like the one that covers everything but your eyes but she wears her her hijab and then she does wear Mm -hmm. muslim garb uh right i had uh, but i've worked jobs where people were kind of overtly racist you know but in my life it hasn't really stopped me but then again i'm not an executive you know what I mean? I'm not someplace where it could actually stop me. And there are people who feel that being lighter skinned gives them an advantage. So when they hear about people like, uh, like what's his name, Safari, you know, going through the whole skin lightening process, you know, it's it gives them ideas. It lets them feel that their skin is worthless as is. They can do something about it. And I don't, I do not feel that way at all. Right. Yeah. So why even put it out there? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's more, I mean, I know he's just clout chasing, but it's, it's more trouble than it's worth because of the country that we live in now. So I, I, I I'll, I'll give him a, a, a double thumbs down for coming out with that. That's, that's not cool, man. You know, I don't know if he's getting a check for it <laughs> from some skin lightning product people, but you know, whatever, whatever he was getting to, it's not worth it. It can't be. Can't be. Well, that's all I have for the folks today. I'll let you know. We'll see what Safari ends up looking like. We we know what he looks like as of today. So it'll be very evident soon if um if he did go through with that or not. They're gonna be keeping an eye on him now. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was going to talk about Derek Chauvin first, but I'll, I'll flip that around to keep the keep the flow going. Um, back in like the fifties and sixties, there was a lot of what they called uh, whitewashing in in Hollywood, and it's funny that I mentioned West Side Story. Back in the fifties and sixties. Well, that's where a lot of you mean that because. That continues today. <laughs> that continues today, but I mean, but it, I mean, but back then it was absolutely ridiculous. Like I looked up, um, Rita Moreno was on a talk show recently, and Rita Moreno is one of the one of the greatest entertainers of all time. She has an EGOT, which is uh, she has an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. There's not that many people who have won all four of those awards because they're in different, of course, they're in wildly different fields. I think Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg has one as well, among other people. You know, her career has spanned about 70 years. She's she's uh she's 89. And she still acts. She's on um the last thing I saw her on, or at least uh remember her on when they had that uh the remake of uh, One Day at a Time. Not one day at a time. Um, Jesus Christ, what's the name of that show? 
It might have been one day at a time. I, I think I was confusing it with a uh, a soap opera. Yeah, I don't know what. I'm I'm not familiar with her work, but I I do. I didn't know she had an egot though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's and and she's from Puerto Rico. You know. Now the thing that kind of got me looking back into the whole thing about West Side Story that came out in 1961, right? The lead of Maria, one of the leads anyway, because for those who don't know West Side Story, it's basically just a, a, a modern day retelling of Romeo and Juliet, but it's set in New York. And it's between uh, a gang member, uh, a white guy, and then he falls in love with the sister of his rival, of a rival gang member, you know? So that's the little Romeo and Juliet thing there. And, but it's a, but it's a musical, right? Now it's not like Rita Moreno, now the lead of- My mother loves that musical, by the way. Her and her, one of her good friends, like watch it all the time. It, it's one of those musicals where I, I know the songs, but I've never seen West Side Story a day in my life, but I know the songs because the songs are so prevalent, you know? Hmm. And um, the lead went to Natalie Wood. She played Maria, who was the co-lead with whoever else was in it, I don't know. But you figure, why would they cast Natalie Wood over Rita Moreno for the lead? Now, I don't know if Rita Moreno tried out for the lead. So I don't know, I don't know the, the nuts and bolts and the details of it, right? But I figure Rita Moreno is actual, she's an actual Hispanic. Natalie Wood is Ukrainian. I did not know that until this morning when I was looking it up. And I'm like, where is Natalie Wood from? I figured she was just like, just flat out American, but no, she's from, she's from the Ukraine. Her real name was um, Natalia Nikolaevna Zakareno. And she's just professionally known as Natalie Wood. She was a child actress who became a, uh, you know, an adult actor. Not, not, not in porn. When I say adult actress, I mean she started out. <laughs> as, as, yeah, she grew. Uh, she grew up in entertainment. I got you. She died under mysterious circumstances. She was only forty-seven, and uh, she died in a uh, a drowning accident. And there's always been rumors that there was something else to it. But you know, I was younger at the time when when she died, so I didn't really care. I mean, she died in 1981. I was like. 10, 11. I'm like, I didn't really give a shit about her then. But um, she was born in the States, but her parents are Ukrainian. So I'm like, if you have a, and it's not like Rita Moreno at that time was just some unknown, and this was her first big break. She was in The King and I, and she was in Singing in the Rain. So she'd been, mm -hmm. so she'd been acting uh, since you figure that West Side Story came out in 61. She'd been acting since 1943. So she wasn't some unknown. Why did they cast somebody who's not Puerto Rican to play a Puerto Rican? Well, we, of course, we all know the answer. There was a movie called, I forgot the name of the movie, but John Wayne was in it. And John Wayne, when you, when you hear the name John Wayne, the first thing you think of is, oh yeah, that cowboy dude mm -hmm. who, played, who played in all those Westerns. They had him playing Genghis Khan. And he was terrible <laughs> as Genghis Khan because that's not his wheelhouse. 
you know? Mickey Rooney played in, in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. R Mickey Rooney played a horribly racially offensive character, like some Japanese- I've never seen that movie, by the way, but yeah, I do, I do know he was supposed to be Asian, yeah. And Mickey Rooney, I mean, he passed away not too long ago, but even he, but even he was saying like how horribly, like he was like, he makes no bones about it that the fact that that was that playing that role was a mistake. And he was like, you know what? They're, they're gonna they're gonna carve that on my tombstone and I'll probably deserve it. That that role is gonna follow me to the grave. <laughs> and it and it practically did, you know, rest in peace, Mickey Rooney. But you know, people do things without really thinking about it. You figure, um, Sebastian Stan got in some trouble recently because his girlfriend uh, had a picture on Twitter or Instagram or some shit where her and her friend were dressed up as geishas. Now, I know nothing. Mm -hmm. about, I know nothing about geishas, but all Sebastian Stan did was hit like on her picture, and they were like, "Sebastian Stan's a racist." Now I'm just like, <laughs> like I'm like, calm your tits, Jesus Christ, like it's you know. It's not, I mean, it's racially insensitive. He liked the picture of his girlfriend, like, calm down. That's that's what it was. He liked the picture of his girlfriend. Um, yeah, that was a thing on Housewives of Atlanta this season. I was like, why? I think, um, what's her name? Kenya Moore, she was dressed up as a, she was supposed to be dressed up as a Native American woman. I just remember thinking, like, girl, like, why the fuck are you doing this? Like, everybody knows that that's not what we do. You know, you don't play native indigenous people of any culture. You don't dress up as them. Like, Rob, we, what the fuck are we doing out here? Like, girl, what? It reminds me of The Simpsons. Krusty the Clown was doing a, a live show. And then, you know, and you know, Krusty is like 100% unprofessional. And he's, I guess, yeah. on live on air, he was reading out what he's supposed to be doing this. He was like, talk to the audience. He was like, oh, this is always death. Like, if you're going to be, if they're asking you to dress up as somebody from another culture, I don't care if you're Black, white, Hispanic, whoever, just think of Krusty the Clown going, oh, this is always death. And then just don't do it. Because we're we're very hypersensitive about these things now, and there but there's a reason for it. You know, I think like in the case of Sebastian Stan and his girlfriend, that went too far. But I understand the hypersensitivity to it. I was I doing this thing on you know I I don't have a whole lot going on. <laughs> so when I'm at work, what if I'm not taking calls? Like if I'm just doing processing, I listen to music on Spotify. Sure. And, yeah. Hey. And this thing, top hits of such and such a year. So I started with 1970. I'm going to listen to every list. And yes, I'm going to choke through the 2000s. There's got to be some music in the last 21 years that's good. Usually when I do stuff like that, I stop at like 89 or 92. No, I'm going to choke my way to modern times. There has to be a good song in there someplace. Right. And now in 1972, I'm starting to come across all these black exploitation soundtracks. Like now, and I'm in 1972, and of course, there's songs from the Superfly soundtrack, right? Black exploitation is a weird thing because, for one, you had actors who normally wouldn't get starring roles getting starring roles, like Ron O'Neill, you know, 
He was in a movie called, uh, no, Ron O'Neill was Superfly. I think Fred Williamson was, uh, was Black Caesar, you know? Yeah, I don't know their romance, sorry. <laughs> but they were, um, while these movies did make money because they were extremely low budget, right? Oh, yeah. And you figured, and it was funny because if you ever, I never, I still haven't gotten a chance to watch Dolomite is my name. It's on my, it's, it's really, on, really good. Like, it's so it, good. Like, I really enjoyed that movie. It's on I my, I trying to explain to my mother, like, I think she thought it was an actual black exploitation movie. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's about the guy who played, like, who became, like, it's about the real guy, Rudy Ray. Yeah. Rudy Ray Moore. But uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, I always respected Rudy Ray Moore's hustle because, I mean, for his stuff, even the black and he put other people on too. Like that's that's yeah. what I loved about it. You know, he had a squad. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, those movies were terrible, but they were so entertaining. You know, and that that's the that's the main part of it. But a lot of people like for movies like Superfly and even Black Caesar, like they felt like a lot of these movies pushed a lot of negative stereotypes, you know. Superfly got a lot of flack because it made good money, but it, it they felt like it glorified being a drug kingpin. Like Ronald, yeah, or like a point. Yeah, like he, like, you know, he, his character, you know, did coke, he was a coke dealer. So he did, you know, he did a lot of coke and he had like his coke spoon was like part of his necklace. That was like the, the, the pendant on his necklace was his coke spoon. You yeah, know? all right. So, it was weird because around that time, if you weren't doing black exploitation movies, you weren't working because nobody was going to hire you. You ever watch um, What's Happening? No, but I, well, yeah, I have. I was thinking about um, about that, that uh, what's my man's name? Robert Townsend. Yes. Where he was like a classically trained actor and all the like all the auditions he was going to though was were like for playing like the junkie or whatever. Right. Um yeah. You know. But anywho, but yes, I have watched what's happening. I, I used to love what's happening. I did not realize that the gentleman that played Raj had a and that's mm-hmm. that's why you never seen him after what's happened for years. He ended up on Everybody Hates Chris back yeah. in the, the early two thousands. But he had a horrible drug problem. Like he was on freebase, and that's like. Oh no, I did not know that. I yeah. did not know that either. Yeah, he was. He was on coke and freebase, and you know, he was on. He was on Vlad TV talking about it, and I was just like, I felt really bad because I love that yeah, show. I did not know that. Interesting. Know? But um, there was an episode that always stuck with me, and watching it as a kid and watching it as an adult, I got two different things from it but along the same lines. There was an episode where Raj sent in an idea for a, uh, for a TV episode to his favorite show, right? And then a couple of weeks later, he looks on and then they use the exact same idea that he sent in. So him and the gang get to the, you know, they actually make it up to talk to the executive, right? And the executive goes in his file cabinet and pulls out like two other scripts with the same exact idea written from different people. So his idea wasn't totally original. If I remember, it was like the kids find a. I do remember that episode vaguely. Yeah, I do. Like the kids find a bag of money, and then they have to decide what they want to do with it. You know, 
not exactly original. Even even back then, I didn't think it would be. Even back then, yeah. <laughs> but the main part of that to me was that the guy wanted Raj, because he felt that Raj was quote unquote street smart. So he was he wanted him to come on as a consultant and uh, keep the show authentic. And Raj turned him down. Now, as a kid watching it, right, my simplistic view of it was, hey. Why not get that money, get a job? <laughs> well, my simplistic view of it was, hey, Raj wasn't willing to sell out, right? Because, I mean, I saw these things oh, okay. as a teenager. I mean, these shows were in, uh, they were in syndication when I, when I started watching them, you know? Okay. Like, like he wasn't willing to sell out to the man or whatever, whatever they called it back then. But watching it as an adult, it was like, hey, instead of having consultants to try to keep your show about Black people authentic, why don't you just hire Black writers who have, exactly. who have that experience? And this way, you don't need consultants because you have people who live that experience right in the show. Damon Wilson. Who- well, you know what's funny is um, I remember... I remember Family Matters, they were talking, they had like a semi-reunion online and um, they were talking about one particular scene um, and they were just like, no, that's not what, uh, uh, like, that's not what these, and uh, not to mention too, they were supposed to be in Chicago. Uh, they were just like, no, black people don't talk like that. <laughs> they, like black, a black person would never talk, talk back to their parent like that. Right. They were like, no, like, it's gonna be funny. They're just like, no. <laughs> like, I'm just like, you have the actors right there telling you. Like, all of them were saying that. Like, no, it's a terrible line. I can't remember what the line was, but it was something that would have been considered disrespectful. And it was just like, yeah, no. No. <laughs> you don't say that. Exactly. I mean, uh, Damon Wilson, he used to be, you know, he played Lamont on uh, Sanford and stuff. Yeah. He used to talk about how Red Fox was always, always, always at the writer's throats, you know, about keeping the show more authentic, you know, and they used to argue all the time about the, you know, the writing on the show. Um, uh, Sherman Hemsley talked about it, you know, with the Jeffersons. Jeffersons ran for like 10 years, I think. And yeah. You no, know, he said all that, you know, that honky stuff played well in the first few seasons, but, you know, he's a grown man, you know, he, and he was the one who steered more toward George and Tom Willis, you know, his neighbor, of being more, uh, of being more friendly to each other, you know. Yeah, and that's why he got, that's why he got, uh, that's why he got, uh, they replaced him, they replaced Lionel. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll, well, I'll, I'll talk about Sherman Hemsley. Was, uh, oh, Sherman Hemsley was pushing for that. Okay. Oh, he was the one that was pushing for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always marveled at the fact that they didn't think that we were going to notice that, that they were going to replace Black Panther Lionel with sweater vest wearing Lionel. Like, and then we weren't going to, we, we were going to be like, oh, okay, it's the same guy. <laughs> he was way more subdued. <laughs> he just had the polar opposite. I did not like Lionel number two at all. He was like super whiny. Yeah. Just no. Just no. I did not like that Lionel at all. I like the original Lionel much, much better. Black Panther Lionel, he's called. And and, and then you had, you know, sweater vest Lionel, who was just not really. Not to mention, I I loved how he gave Archie Bunker a hard time, you know? Oh, yeah. He outwitted him every time. (laughs) 
I, you know, a, a, a lot of people like, uh, what was it? Um, Maud, uh, the Jefferson. Mm-hmm. There might have been another show. They all they were all spinoffs from all. The they show. were all spinoffs, yeah. And I'm trying to remember. Yep. I, thought, I thought there was another show. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, just from the Archie Bunker show. Yeah, so yeah, those are the only ones I could think of. Too. Yeah. But yeah, now I'm curious. Like I feel like we are missing another one too. But I mean, even in even in more modern times, you know, going back to Robert Townsend and the whole thing about uh, Hollywood. Oh, Archie Bunker's place. That one shouldn't count. Was that Archie Bunker's place? No, (laughs) that shouldn't count. Uh, That was like after Edith died, I think. Uh, It says seven oh four Hauser and Gloria. I guess Gloria had her own show. I don't remember that. What's that the, looks like. <laughs> did she did she divorce Mike or something? Like what happened? I have so many questions. I've <laughs> never seen an episode of that. And it must have that maybe that's what happened. They got divorced and it was about her being a single mom or some shit. I don't know. Seven oh four Hauser. I've never heard of that. Me neither. It has um James Evans though. Uh what what's his real name? What's my man's name? Not James Evans. John Amos. John Amos, yeah. This looks more like... Mm, no, nah, I ain't never heard of this show. The fuck? I'm looking at the picture, sorry. Um, <laughs> You could tell the living room looks like it's Archie Bunker's living room. Um, But this is considered a spinoff. I don't know why. I don't... Mm, that's weird. I digress. That's all good. I, I digress all the time. <laughs> but um you figure um even a lot of actors that i know today right the first time i saw lawrence fishburne and and i'm not saying that's like his starting role but the first time i saw lawrence fishburne uh was in um well the first time i saw him and the first time i noticed him right first time i saw him he was in um i think jeff goldblum was in it too Death Wish Two, and he played one of the one of the goofy ass gang members, and and the funny part about his death scene was like I don't know, but it was a shootout, and for some reason, like he holds our radio up to stop the bullet, and the bullet goes right through the radio, <laughs> it shoots him in the head, you know. And um, I don't know. My fa- my favorite line from Death Wish Two was basically. Uh, Charles Bronson has one of the gang members cornered, you know, with a gun. And he has like this giant Jesus piece on. And he was like, oh, so you believe in Jesus? And he's like, yes, sir, I do. And he's like, good, because you're going to meet him. <laughs> and then he just shoots him. <laughs> um, but, I, but the first time I really noticed Lawrence Fishburne was he was in a movie called King of New York with Christopher Walken. And he played uh, a fried chicken eating, grape juice drinking, well, grape soda drinking drug dealer, you know? Just, mm, mm, mm. just hamming it up, you know, and he'd been in other stuff before, you know, but that's the first two roles I noticed him. Omar Epps, first role I noticed him, it was in Juice, you know, there were a lot of, I mean, you figure Lawrence Fishburne is a classically trained actor. He did Othello for Christ's sakes. They did a, a, mm-hmm. a version of Othello when he was in it, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of these people had to get their starts playing 
drug dealers and stuff like that just to just to get on you know and it kind of sucks but now there's a lot more opportunities for african americans to get good acting roles you know although we still end up with with a lot of shows like snowfall power stuff like now that. hold the fuck up now <laughs> hold the fuck up now but but no follows official and it's based on a real person a real family True, but I'm like, you just Wikipedia that stuff. We, we didn't need a show about it. But it's fucking awesome, though. It's fucking awesome. From what I hear, <laughs> like, like a lot of my friends like that watch that show, like they just talk about it on, on Facebook all the time. They, it's, supposedly it's a great show. But I mean, it really is. So long as there's something to balance it out, then I don't care. Sure, sure. You know, now you figure something like uh the heights right uh it was directed by who directed it the same guy who directed no he didn't he didn't direct it actually he was he was he was one of the producers on it and he did the yeah that's true it was directed by uh john chu the guy who did uh crazy rich asians right oh yeah i really love that movie by the way i haven't seen it yet and it's really cute it centers on a uh you know, a, a neighborhood in uh, in Manhattan, a, a Dominican yep, in Harlem. Yeah, and Washington you, Heights. Washington Heights. Thank you. And you figure, um, like, when I pulled up the cast for it, you know, I I was looking at the cast, and it's all basically just. I mean, there's one black dude in it. What's his name? Corey Hawkins. And I'm like, is he? Yeah, like, it, if he's like one of those black actors, like I, I always know him, but I don't know his name. He's on that list of people. Like, oh, I recognize his face, don't know his name. Right. You know, Jimmy Smith's is in it. You know, uh, you know, it's a mainly Hispanic cast. You know, and it's, it's it is, and it's and from what I hear, the movie is great. Like I like so far. Uh, I mean, I'm not a musical person, so I'm probably never gonna watch it. But a lot of people who I know that did watch it, they enjoyed it very much. It has a 96% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes out of over 300 reviews, which is great. And then the audience score is like 95%. So people enjoy this movie. But there is also a huge controversy over it because they said that, and, and this, is from, this is from Wikipedia. Okay, I want you to bear with me here. The film has drawn criticism for its casting choices, which seemingly excluded Afro-Latino actors with darker skin colors and misrepresented the demographics of Washington Heights, leading to accusations of colorism. Miranda issued an apology on social media regarding the matter shortly after the film's release. He also addressed the controversy during an appearance on The Daily Show, where he stressed that while there's so much Afro uh, Latina dad, I don't know what that means in the movie. The beef, mm-hmm. Afro Latinos, uh, Afro Latinos. Mm-hmm. The beef was really specifically uh, dark skinned Afro Latinos in leading roles. He said, and I totally understand that, and and I receive it, and I just have to do better on the next one. Now, Rita, now Rita Moreno, I mentioned her earlier. Uh, she defended mm-hmm. Miranda during an interview on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. 
saying it's like you can never, wow like she says it's like you can never do right you know because and, and See, then, this is where girl you're gonna have to shut the fuck up <laughs> but go ahead well roland martin torched her for that you know and i i understand where roland martin's coming from because but but then again i'm kind of seeing this is where I, i'm on the fence you know i'm kind of on both sides here because i have to I guess I'm not really paying that much attention to the colorism in the Latino community because I'm already in the middle of it, of the colorism in the African-American community. <laughs> so I don't so really- colorism, I feel like colorism is the big, it's the overarching topic and there's like a lot of little umbrellas within it. Like there's colorism in the Asian community. South Asians look a lot different from like your Koreans perhaps, you know what I mean? So like, like it, it does look different. Like it, it affects, it's very European. Um, and it affects a lot of different cultures. So I noticed it. Um, I'm not a musical person either, but I was looking forward to in, in the Heights. I still will finish watching it. I just started, like my mom was cooking out a couple of weeks ago. So I started watching the movie and it was funny. Cause like, I'm not about 10 minutes into it. I'm like, damn, where's the brown people? <laughs> I know, I know that there's some brown Dominicans, like, right. where they at, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, oh, okay. And I was like, okay, I guess that's the one, because it was like the one friend that popped up, um, the the friend, he worked at the taxi stand. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even know. I was like, I thought he was just like a black guy. Like, I didn't realize he had, you know, African. Uh, Afro-Latino roots, per se, but uh, whatever, like, all right, fine. And I was like, but it's it's weird because I'm just, like, noticing, and I'm and then I hop on the internet to see what other motherfuckers think about it, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, I was not alone. I was like, I am enjoying the, the story, the music, uh, but, so it's not like I needed to go on the internet to see what to be mad about. It was, like, something I observed, and then it was like, oh, did other people notice it, too? Oh, yeah, like, I'm in good company with this. And it's not that, it's just like, be best. Yeah, like, do your best. Do your best. Um, I think where people get it fucked up at, it's like, you're not trying to be inclusive. Like, I'm not saying you have to appease people, but you have to at least be reasonable and foresee, like, hmm, is me putting all of the brown people in the back going to be a problem? Yeah, let's mix it up here. You know what I mean? Like that because that's what they did. They had the the darker dancers in the back and shit. So when they had like those scenes, that's the only time you saw like brown people. But like none of them were in the lead, none of them were in the front. And that's it's problematic. It's not it's it's a problem when it's done like that over and over and over and over and over again. But at the very least, it's problematic, and you're an asshole not to acknowledge that. Like this is the world we live in. Like. We didn't create the problem, but you could at least not contribute to making it continue to be a problem. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know, like you ever you ever um watched a different world? Did you watch a different world? Not religiously, but I have watched it. I absolutely watched it religiously. Um <laughs> and I, I loved a different world. They actually like had like a I think they have a reunion getting ready to air and they shouted out Ninth Wonder on it. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. But the the reason I bring up a different world is there was um. I remember 
when Debbie Allen took over season two, she was directing, directing episodes on season two. And um, when she got there, the first thing she said was, where's the brown girl? Like she looked around. This is a light skinned woman. Debbie Allen's not, not that brown. She's a fairly light skinned woman. And she looked around and she was like, where's the chocolate girl? You're we're at an HBCU. And season one, if you recall, it had uh, Jaleesa St. Vincent was like probably the brownest character on that show. But right. Sinbad was up there. Uh, you, you know, Whitley Gilbert was a leading character. Um, what's her name? Jazz, uh, Jasmine Guy. Jasmine Guy playing Whitley Gilbert was a leading character. Uh, Denise Huxtable was a, the leading character. She was the leading character um, since it was a spinoff from The Cosby Show. And um, so, you know, you have a lot of light-skinned people. You have Sinbad, Ron Johnson. Um, Dwayne was brown-skinned, but there wasn't, like... And Jaleesa, she was brown, too. But that wasn't really her story. Like, her story was more like, oh, she's a divorcee uh, who went back to college. It's not, like... Not really... Like, her color isn't really a factor. She's brown. She's not chocolatey brown. So... When Debbie Allen comes along, she's like, where's the brown, brown girl? Like, like this is HBCU. It should definitely be way more brown here. And so in comes uh, Kim. They cast Kim. I can't remember her real name. But she was, she was the perfect representation, I think, for what was needed at the time. Like, you know, she's smart. Um, her, her dad was a cop. Her dad was played by uh, Shaft. Richard Roundtree. Okay. That's where her dad was. Um, and so, like, she was smart. She was going to medical school. Like, she was studying. She was pre-med. Like, it was perfect, you know? But she at least acknowledged, hey, this is a problem. It's, it's problematic at the least, but there's a problem that there's not more sprinkled in here. Right. And so they cast Kim. Simple. Simple, simple shit. It did not all of a sudden become the Kim show. You know, or anything like that. It was just like, oh, hey, we're missing something here. This is what this should actually represent. Even though this is a fictional college, let's like represent what a HBCU campus actually looks like. Right. Simple. I mean, I I look at it like this. You know, you remember CB4 with Chris Rock? I finally have seen that movie. I could say yes, I do remember that. I I think I just saw it like last year, and you remember, or earlier this year. You remember when they went solo, like when they broke up and they were doing their own solo things, and then Carl Payne, mm-hmm. like I'm black, y'all, and I'm black and black and I'm black, y'all, and I'm bleep, bleep, black to black. Like that's how like black exploitation movies were. They were just the blackest so and sos you ever see in your life in a movie, you know. And that's why because that was the target audience. The target audience was African-Americans. They didn't really care about what white people thought. They cared what African-Americans mm. thought. That's who they were making the movie for. So they just put mm. the, blackest, the blackest mofos they could find in that movie, you know? So they didn't really care. Now, when you have a, a wider release, right? Unfortunately, well, I don't. I when I say unfortunately, I don't want to make it sound like it's like I'm a, like I'm a douchebag jackass. I fit, but there are more white people in this country, so they want to make it a wider release. They want to make it something that makes them more comfortable when watching it. 
you know? So that's why they were, now I don't, I don't know if that was Lin-Manuel Miranda's sinister plot, but I think it just worked out that way, you know? So I don't know for sure that he was like, oh, this dude, this Dominican is too dark. We can't have him here because it'll make white people. That's just my own speculation. Please do not tweet Lin-Manuel Miranda about this. Please don't hit him up on Instagram about this. But I do find that there are, like, I'm, like what I mentioned before about the biracial couple in the Cheerios commercial, there are some people who flip Ooh. out about stuff like that. It makes them horribly uncomfortable when they see too many uh, people of color in one movie. And I'm not even going to talk about just Black folks. There's too many people of color mm -hmm. in one movie or one show. I had somebody tell me, on this year, I think this was still during the Bush administration, he was going back and forth. He, he talked about how Family Matters is a racist show because there's no white people on, on the, in the main cast. I'm like, well, if you were just looking for white people, you could just watch every other show on television. If, if you were just looking for white people on the show. You know, there are some people who it does not matter. Like I have friends who are white who watch Black Panther and they loved it. You know, because they didn't, they don't, and they're not those folks who were just like, well, I don't see color. <laughs> I hate that term. I don't see color. Well, driving must be really hard for you. Exactly. On past all those red lights. But um, to, to most people, I mean, people I know, people are just people. You know, and then, you know, if you're from someplace else, it just adds a little bit of spice but it's not something to be afraid of. Like these people are afraid of what they, could, what they perceive to be the others, the Fox News crowd, all that other stuff. So like I said, I, I, I seriously doubt that was Lin-Manuel Miranda's master plan. I think it just worked out that way. But at the same time, in the Heights, who's your target audience? Who's, who are the ones who are really watching this? Mm-hmm. And then worry about that. But the, but the problem is, especially when you're on cable, right? You can have a show. And the thing is, they don't normally release a lot of data on these shows. You know? So you may have a show that people like and after the first season, they'll just cancel it. Like, they're very skittish about these sorts of things. You know? Because maybe, maybe, you know, In the Heights was a movie. Maybe HBO Max, you know, maybe, maybe they figure if this does well, we can get in the heights too, you know, and, and, keep, and keep that gravy train going. So to do that, you got to get as many eyeballs as possible watching it, you know. But the problem is that we live in a society that's been foxified. You know, Fox News got these people afraid of their own shadows. And if they see more than three Hispanic folks in a, you know, in a movie, then they're just not going to watch it. Like if you watch if you watch porn, you'll probably start to see more and more Latina porn stars with just regular names, quote unquote, like white names, you know, because they don't want to be lumped in the Latina section. They want to be where more people are going to be able to see them and enjoy them, mm. which which is a it's a sad state of affairs. You know, you should be able to make a movie however you want you know, and then have your target audience be those people and then other people will just join in because it's entertaining. That should be the main focus of the movie. Black exploitation movies were big because they didn't give a fuck. 
they just said, look, we don't see enough black people in the in, in, in Hollywood. Well, fuck you guys. We'll make our own damn movies. And a lot of those movies were terrible. But you know what? It was their movies and their people showed out in force and showed them love. Yeah, there's exactly. there's 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 shots where you could watch these things. We can see the cameraman in the mirror. Yeah, there's shots where the boom mic is clearly in the shot. But you know what? These guys are working with like non-existent budgets. You know, this in the Heights is a big budget production. I don't know what the what the budget was on in the Heights, right? Let's see if Wikipedia. They usually give the budget. So- probably, I would imagine it was it was pretty um, reasonable. I'm pretty sure it was generous. Well, you figure it was a fifty-five million dollar budget, and then and that's just a production budget. That doesn't count for advertising, and. Remember, I mean, it pulled in 24 million at the box office, but a lot of these things nowadays are getting limited releases in box offices. The main thing is- And on HBO Max, where it's it's streaming. Yeah, because now it's like, usually if you see budget 55 million, box office 24 million, first thing you're thinking of, oh, it's a flop. Now, a lot of times now, nowadays, these things are pretty much made to be streaming because the pandemic shifted the meta horribly to the left (laughs) when it comes to that sort of thing. So they push it more for streaming now. It's kind of like if you sell, if you look at record sales and you see somebody's only pushed like, you know, 52,000 copies, that's 52,000 physical copies. It doesn't count all the millions of streams that they're getting, you know. But I, I think that while on the one side, I applaud Lynn manuel Miranda for looking at the criticism, and saying that he's going to do better with the next one, I don't think he should have said, I'm sorry. Because I don't think he did anything wrong. And this is the part where I'm going to lose people on this. You know, it to me, it's basically, it's not like he's never going to do another movie ever again. He's Lin-Manuel Miranda. People love this guy, you know? And so of course he's going to be involved in more projects. He's going to take that feedback and he's going to, do better with the next movie. But the fact that he had to say, I'm sorry, I'm just like, nah, you ain't got nothing to be sorry about, man. Just just do better next time. But don't like, uh, I, I wouldn't say he, he, shouldn't have, he shouldn't have said the words, I'm sorry. So the fact that, he, that he's saying, yes, I'm going to take your feedback and we're going to do better, that's good enough for me. But the I'm sorry thing, now nah, he, he should have apologized. Rita Moreno's point was, Lynn manuel has done more to advance Hispanics in, uh, in the movies than she has in 70 years. So that's why, you know, she's really cheering for Lynn manuel Miranda, you know, and, and hates the fact that he's catching all this heat. But I also see where people like Roland Martin are coming from, because Roland Martin torched Rena Moreno for her comments, you know, and we do have to realize that colorism is a huge issue. Not just in the black community or even the Hispanic community, but in other communities as well. You know, I guess in Trump's case, it's more like orangeism, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> he looks like a bucket of orange sherbet. Uh, but anyway, uh, I will say <laughs> one, one, real, one thing real quick before we wrap up. Uh, Derek Chauvin was sentenced yesterday for the uh for killing uh george floyd he got 22 and a half years in prison 
Now, a couple of things to consider, okay? For that charge, right, the, the, the murder charge that he had in that state, because every state, they have different thresholds for these things. The prosecutors wanted 30 years. They got 22 and a half. I still say that's a win, right? For someone like Derek Chauvin, who'd never been committed of, a, who'd never been convicted of a crime before, right? Normally, they would give him the low end, which is 12 and a half years, right? But um, the top, the most you can give for that particular crime is 40 years, right? So you figure the way the judge saw, the way that they saw it, yes, it's his first conviction, but the crime was absolutely horrific. People actually got to see a man die right in front of their faces. So no, he's not going to get 12 and a half years. You know, they're not going to give him 40, but he's not going to skate. You know, by the time he gets out of prison, he'll be 67 years old. And at least he won't be a police officer anymore. Should he survive? Now, also another thing to keep in mind, they're not done with him because he still needs to stand trial for the civil rights violations. And those are federal crimes. So if he's convicted of those, they're going to pile more years on there. So we don't have to worry about Derek Chauvin anymore. Even if, he, even if he skates on a civil rights trial, he's doing 22 years for this, okay? So as far as I'm concerned, I am satisfied. But Odie, what are your thoughts on that real quick? Um, can he appeal? Like, that's the kind of shit that I'm concerned about. Like, if, assuming this is where it dead, like this is where it ends right now, fine. But... If he appeals and gets off for some technicality, I don't fucking know. I do think the prosecution, I mean, the, yeah, the prosecution did a good job um, of making it as airtight as possible and asking the right questions um, to the right witnesses. But I just don't. Like, white supremacy is very Teflon Donish to me. like you, when you make the rules, it's like really easy to move the goalposts and skate them. So I'm not celebrating yet, um, but as of right now, yes, that sounds yeah. it sounds fine to me. Honestly, I know a lot of people are like, "Why not more?" Like, look, he's the first. Yeah, like he's the first to like really be made an example out of. So, 22 years pretty good i think the other officers should be arrested too but well they're well they're as far as they're himself i don't know their trial yeah, is, i think it's fine yeah they're they're gonna be on trial as well they've been indicted and they're gonna they're gonna stand trial as well so they probably won't get 22 years but they will but they will more than all you know what any in in the casey anthony george zimmerman world that we live in anything is possible and i don't mean that in the anything positive. is possible mm-hmm. you know it it was who, who who said that? Uh, not Asif Manvi. Um, uh, the dude from the, the from the Daily Show. He said it used to be like you know you tell kids like anything is possible, and now you're like anything is possible, <laughs> like in, a, in an ominous way. Like yeah, if, if something bad could happen, if something stupid could happen, it could definitely happen. You know. But there's been a lot of backlash to this, of course, from the white supremacists, but also from uh from the police departments and i'll talk i'll talk more about that on on wednesday 
I'm not going to jump into that rabbit hole now. But there has been a lot of backlash about the uh, Derek Chauvin decision, uh, you know, the, the verdict and the, uh, and the sentencing. So, but he's, as far as I'm concerned, Derek Chauvin is right where he belongs. So that's the end of that. Odie, what, what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts outside is opening back up. It's festival season. Um, we plan to enjoy Made in America when that returns to Philly uh, Labor Day weekend. But what we will not be doing is <laughs> joining motherfuckers in Kentucky at the Redneck Rave. I've just sent the article to the group chat. A lot of shit going on there. Um, might dive into that more in about two weeks if if we if I remember to since we're off next weekend for the holiday. But uh, yeah, looks like the Trumpies were at it again. Um, so yeah, fuck fuck that festival. I don't know why it's called a rave. It doesn't look peaceful and fun at all. But um, yeah, avoid that at all costs. And and for the love of Jesus, get vaccinated. Come on, man. It's not that hard. I read an article where you had teenagers whose parents didn't want them to get vaccinated, so they're getting vaccinated like in secret. You know, because uh, they just want to be a part of stuff again. And if you're not vaccinated, you can't be part of certain things. You know, I'm going to be flying for the first time in, in years. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my vaccination card with me just in case I need it. I probably don't, but I'm going to bring it anyway, just so that there's no issues <laughs> when I get there. You know what's crazy is um, they have, um, like, the, you know, it's, it's the, the, <laughs> the way viruses work. I'm not even a scientist, and I know this. Like, the virus is smart enough to say, okay, I need to mutate because these niggas are on to me. So mm -hmm. it's mutating as we speak. Yes. We don't even know that our vaccines will work. So it's just going to keep getting better because it's like, okay, they, they've smartened up enough to wear a mask and get vaccinated. So I need to go ahead and sh shape shift real quick to keep killing niggas because that's what I want to do. Yeah. And people are really out here like gambling that that's going to be okay. I, I went to a baby shower yesterday. It was out. It was outside. So like we weren't, um, it was supposed to be like drive by, like we honk and like pull up and get your get your um cookie. She like the mom to be and made cookies and brownies, mm -hmm. and that's what it was supposed to be. But like people got out their car and like talked and you know we kind of talked in a circle. The mom to be um, chose to vaccinate herself even while she was pregnant. Um, I'm vaccinated along with several others, but her friend. Um, is not shy about asking people straight up, are you vaccinated? Like that was the one who threw her in the shower. And she said one person came that was not. And it's like, what the fuck, bro? Like you do know that like we can still give you the virus. Like even though we're vaccinated, fine. You don't want to vaccinate yourself. Why the fuck are you coming around like risking, risking your life, risking your health? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the latest reports came out about the, the, about the COVID deaths. At this point in time, the only people who have been dying of COVID are the unvaccinated. Because yep. 
if you're vaccinated, even if you, I mean, even if you're vaccinated, you can still get COVID, but it's not going to be that big a deal. You know, you probably won't even have to go to the hospital. You know, you're going to, you're going to be able to shake it off because you're vaccinated. So either you won't get it, or if you get it, it's just going to be a, a, an inconvenience as opposed to not being vaccinated and having it, you know, kill you or give you permanent health issues for the rest of your life. So just get vaccinated, man. Hey, you want a good reason to be vaccinated? All you anti-vaxxers out there, Donald Trump is vaccinated. And he, and, he, and he had COVID, but they gave him like all the experimental medicine that you'll never get. And then he got vaccinated, even though he doesn't really talk about it like that. You know why? Because he doesn't want to die. So, you know, there's a line in the song that says, show us how you weren't afraid to die. And I'm like, okay, if you get COVID, that'd, that'd be proof enough. So just get vaccinated, man. Stop, stop all the bullshit. Stop all the, well, what's in it? And, you know, somebody had a yeah. meeting and they were like, um, they were like, well, if COVID is supposed to be like this life-saving thing, why don't they give out chemo drugs and insulin for free? And I didn't even bother answering because it's not worth my time. Like, I don't take on the Trump fans anymore because they're just too far gone. But it's basically because those are created by private companies. We literally commissioned, like the government literally commissions these people to make these medicines. And that's why it's free. You know, it's not like they're, they're free for us. The government's still paying for it. Think of it like a toll-free call. You make a toll-free call, it's free for you. Someone's paying for that call. Just not right. But insulin, I think, is only made by like three companies. And because we're not allowed to um, negotiate with these companies through Medicaid and Medicare, or even through private insurance, we pay the most for them. So the same vial that, we'll, that somebody's paying $100 for in the United States, that same exact vial goes for like $5 in France. So in what these people need who, who post these ridiculous fucking memes need to do is don't put it out there and be like, ha ha, I'm owning the libs. Why don't you just look that shit up and save yourself the embarrassment, save yourself of having me shaking my head and like, oh, this motherfucker here. And then just ignoring you. The entire knowledge of the world is on, is on your phone. You could even talk to it like you're in Star Trek. You could hit the button and say, computer, who, has, who holds the patent for insulin? And it'll, and it'll tell you. And it'll even talk while it tells you that. Just like Star Trek. We live in the fucking future. There's no reason to not know anything with your memes. Shut the fuck up with your memes. But anyway, <laughs> I know I went off on a rant here. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find something happy to, to go out on. You know what? I'm just going to go out. Oh, something happy to go out on. As Odie mentioned before, we are off next weekend. So there'll still be a show on uh, on Wednesday. Politics will still be Wednesday. But um, no show next weekend because it is Fourth of July weekend. So everybody, and we're cooking out. We're cooking out and doing uh, things very, very similar to what we do for Juneteenth. It's not that we're celebrating America's independence. At least I'll speak for myself. It's not that I am. Mm -hmm. It's just that I'm off of work and I like a long weekend. 
that's what I'll be celebrating. I'm not necessarily celebrating Fourth of July, but it just happens to be Fourth of July weekend. It's exactly. a long weekend. <laughs> exactly. So I, I swear to God, one day America will do something that'll make me want to stand up and hold my hand over my heart and, you know, watch old glory blow in the breeze. In the meantime, in the meantime, I'm just going to take the extra day off. <laughs> so everybody enjoy your holiday. Uh, if you are, if you are handling fireworks, please no heavy explosives. I want you to have all your fingers. Back it up, Terry. Back it up. Back it up, Terry. <laughs> back up, Terry. Back up. I need to tell. I need to. I need to Venmo my brother some money and tell him to get some fireworks. This, it'll be the. It'll be the first time I've been home. Actually, I don't want. I don't want to get him in any trouble because fireworks are illegal in New York. You know, they're legal here. Yeah, the, don't don't do that. No dry snitching. <laughs> it, it's 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 the pansy stuff out here. The little sparkle stuff. You know, it's not like the bottle rockets or anything like that. So, you can just buy fireworks here in the supermarket, but they're just like, eh. It's the stuff that we would give the kids in New York to to go because they won't get hurt. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, I mean, people are right up on top of each other, so it makes sense. Yeah. Everybody, enjoy your day, and we will see you week after next. Enjoy your holiday, however you want to spend it. All right. Bye, guys.